0: Take your Bibles this morning. Go to the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 22. 1 Chronicles, chapter 22. A little bit of a lengthy opening scripture, but it's one that we have to get so we can understand the context of the message here this morning. The Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. My favorite part of saying that every single week is watching you guys smile, but then at the same time still say it all together. It's been a theme since the beginning of this year. And uh, man, we are a couple weeks away from venturing in to the New Testament, which I'm really excited about, not because I'm done with the old, uh, but just because now we're getting to the part where Jesus comes on the scene. We've said from the first week of January, the Bible is a unified uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus and now in a couple weeks we'll be venturing into Jesus which this is very weird as a pastor I'm going to be speaking on the birth of Jesus in August and September we don't normally do that till December. And so I was getting my notes ready. I, I try to get weeks ahead in my study. I uh, always want to give the Lord my best and you guys my best. And I was like, man, this is crazy, man. I'm talking about Jesus' birth in the month of August and September. It's unique, but it, it's, really cool. it's really great to see the progression of this. And so I want to encourage you. I know we refer to this a lot, uh, Dave, at the beginning of our services, for those of you who show up when, when service starts. I'm just joking, I'm having fun with you guys, um, kind of. Um, so we, we talk about, we've been reading our Read Scripture app. And so with that, um, if you haven't been able to join us, or you haven't joined us, maybe you're like, man, I, I want to have a spiritual discipline Of reading my Bible every single day. We've got a great tool that will help you do so and you don't have to do it alone. We do it together as a church. Matter of fact, today's message is stemmed from something you read this week if you're joining us uh, in that app. So man, make it a point in a couple weeks that you're gonna read the entire New Testament with us starting in a couple weeks. So you could say by the end of the year that man from, literally from Matthew all the way to Revelation, you guys got the New Testament in and it would just be a great resource to you. And I'm telling you, you get to do it together with us. And there's no greater joy than gathering in God's house, worshiping together, and growing in the wisdom of the Bible. Amen? Amen. Do you believe that? Amen? Amen. I'm telling you, it's good. All right, so lengthy opening scripture, a little bit of background. David is preparing to build the temple for God. Now, those of us who know the story, he doesn't get to build it. We, earlier in this series, this is why this is so good, earlier in the series we talked about the life of David and how David didn't get to fulfill the building of the temple because David made some decisions that cost him that opportunity. That was probably about 12 weeks ago that we talked about it. Now fast forward 12 weeks, God's plan is going to come undone in the story that we're going to read today. It's in this passage of scripture that we're introduced to a young man by the name of Solomon. We know Solomon, if we know the book of Proverbs. I've said this time and time again. It's a little edgy, but I'm gonna say it. A proverb a day keeps the stupid away. It's a book of wisdom. Some of you don't look at me like that. I know we shouldn't say. But listen, it's a book of wisdom. Solomon's responsible for that. As you're gonna see today, the wisest man, not only then, but even today, Solomon. Look at your neighbor real quick and say Solomon, okay? All right. Let's look at how the story started out. First Chronicles chapter 22. Now David said, Solomon my son is young and inexperienced. I don't know if you've ever read that before. We read a lot about Solomon and his wisdom. But his father is saying, hey look, when it comes to Solomon, he's young and he's inexperienced. Which tells us that wisdom comes with age. Wisdom comes with time. Now some of you are like, wait a minute. I know some people who have some age and I don't know if they're walking in wisdom. Well, you got to apply wisdom. But Solomon here is introduced as young and experienced. And the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon. And he charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on earth in my sight. Verse 9, and behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest And I will give him rest from all of his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel. Let me just pause there. Up until this point every single week, we've seen Israel up and down and up and down and always, always, always with a lot of things going on. Notice what God is doing now. God is installing a young and an inexperienced man to now rule over Israel, God's people, and God says it's time for things to quiet down. It's it's always a lesson to us. God's word always has a say, no matter what. His word matters. So he says, look, peace and quietness to Israel in his days, in whose days, Solomon's days. So he's going to come on and be the king. Things are going to get quiet. man." Verse 10, he shall build a house for my name and he shall be my son and I will be his father and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now my son, may the Lord be with you. Watch the words of a father to the son here. May the Lord be with you and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. Now I love this next verse. Look at what David says over his son. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding. I'm looking around here, I see some parents in the room today, and I see some of you, your kids are long gone out of the house, but you're still their parent. Never underestimate the value of speaking life into your children. Never underestimate the value that God saw you fit to be a parent and to speak life. We're going to see in a moment David's words to his son. His words to his son, they come to pass. And could it just be because a father, by God, summoned and instilled greatness in my son. Sorry. Hold on. It's going to get worse later. Only because I know it's in my notes and you don't. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding. And give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Verse 13, then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes and the judgments with which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Oh, I love how this ends. I just love the Bible. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. David knew there was going to be opportunities where Solomon was going to be attacked. And he said, son, don't fear. Have courage. Don't be dismayed. Man, this is good. I want you to keep your Bibles opened up to there because we're going to flop over to 2 Chronicles 2 here in just a moment. But if you're taking notes, I want to speak to you today from the subject of the wisdom to discern and decide. Now, this isn't a normal message on Wisdom. Some of the content's gonna overlap it, but this is specifically. If I need to make a decision in my life, big or small, I need wisdom. So today's message the wisdom to discern and then to decide. It's a two step process. You have to discern what God is saying, how God is leading, and then you actually have to make a decision. Make sense? The wisdom to discern and to decide. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Can you guys please give it up for Nate as he exits the stage? He's going to need some Icy Hot for his hands because I made him play forever. All right, big question. One of the biggest questions I get asked all the time as a pastor, and I say all the time, usually with people that I don't know that I meet, but it's a big question, and I get it asked pretty often. How do I know what God's will is for my life. You ever thought that question before? You know what I've learned with that question? It's not tied to the high school student who hasn't contemplated college. It's not just tied to the college student who's done with college and now has to determine what do I do next. It's not just tied to the young man who wants to marry the young girl. It's not just tied to now the couple that wants to have children. It's not just tied to if they want to have one Or a dozen. Which if you jump from one to a dozen, wow, amazing. That question comes in different times of life because seasons come in different parts of life. If you're young and you're in this place or you're watching online, you have decisions to make. And the question is, is what does God really want me to do? If you get up a little bit older in life, we call them the second half of life. You're asking a different set of questions, but it's still the same question. God, what do you want me to do here? What's the right decision? How should I proceed with this next step? No matter who you are, how long you've lived, God, what do you want me to do is a question you're always going to ask because life always changes. Now let me ask this question, has anyone ever discovered, especially lately, how hard it is to make a decision because of how many options there are. Anybody show of hands? Like not only in the serious stuff, but even in the funny stuff, and I call it funny stuff because it is just funny stuff. It, it, it used to be make a meal at home. If you want to go out to eat, make a decision about where to go out to eat. Well now you can actually have what you want to eat brought to you by the use of an app on a phone. But then you open up your phone because you want dinner because you don't want to cook and you don't want to clean. Anybody speaking my language lately? So, so you don't want to do that. But then you open up the app, whether it's DoorDash or Uber or Food Jets or whatever else they're going to come out with. And there's so many options. 35 minutes later, you still have not ordered anything to eat. I see some wives looking at their husbands right now or it's like you're going to go out on a date. It's date night, babe. Where do you want to go? I don't know. 10 minutes later. Do you do you know where you want to go? No, I, I I don't know. All right. Well, we're in the car. Where do you do, do do you No, there's too many options. Which in my household turns into this. I'll pick 3, you pick 1. Right? So she says 3, I pick 1 and she goes, "No, I don't want that." I's like <laughs> Anybody else ever felt that tension? I'm like, "I just want food. It could be Taco Bell at this point. I don't care." Which I think Taco Bell is a great date night. That's just me, Ashley, if you're watching online. But here's the deal. It's so hard to make decisions. And it's not just with food. It's not just with the easy stuff, man. It's with everything. Think of, think of those of you that have lived a lot more life. <laughs> those of you that have lived more life than others. <laughs> you put that word a lot in there, man. That's like putting the word you always. Well, I don't always, but like if you wanted to travel, there were limitations to travel. Go back when you couldn't just hop on a plane. I mean, some of you don't go back that long, but I mean, just, <laughs> just go back to that, right? It's like, okay, yes, I can go here, but it's limited because we can't quite, it's too confusing, it's too hard, it's too much money. Now think of what you can do. You can go anywhere. The options are limitless. There's nothing stopping you. It's, it's amazing to me, though, how many places we can go and all the things that we can do But we can't seem to make a decision. Why? Because there's too many options. It's gotten complicated. Does anybody ever get frustrated with that, by the way? You ever say things like, I just wish we can go back to where life was easier, things were easier? Man, we have like a 20 some year old student in the back raising his hand. It's like, okay. It's become difficult to decide. I know I've joked about it, but where do I go to college? Should I date this person? Should I get married? Big questions. Should we have a kid? or two, or three, or a starting five for a basketball team? Should we buy a house? Should we we rent a house? Should we get another car? Should I take this job? Should we move to another city? Should I retire now, or should I semi-retire? If I retire, do I have enough money to live the way that I want to live, to do the things that I want to do? Okay, no I don't. Okay, so now what do I do? The big question is God. What do I do? Am I speaking your language now? Okay. The good news is, everybody likes good news, right? All right. Good news is, if you're a follower of Jesus, God's going to show you exactly what he wants you to do. Or is he not? Listen, I I would say to you, maybe there's going to be no doubt in your mind. You're going to know the right decision. You are going to be 100% sure that this is the right thing. And because God is telling you this is the right thing, no obstacles, no problems. Everything I have just said is false. You say even the part about God showing me everything I need to do? Yes. Pastor, how dare you say that? God knows all things. God shows all things. If you've lived enough life... You know this to be true. The reason I can say that God doesn't always show you the exact thing to do is because sometimes the decision is not between good and bad, but it's between good and good. Now I'm making sense. What happens when you have something right before you that both are okay? What do you do with a God who says, you decide? Did you know God can do that, by the way? Did you know, and we're going to talk about, but did you know that sometimes God is saying, hey, you know what, whether you go right or left, it's actually okay. These are both good things. I tell you what, you decide. See, we somehow, we get locked into this notion that there's this exact way that God is going to do things. And what we find out is, no, no, it doesn't always work like that. It's not always exact. So what is it about that, that people get tripped up on? If God doesn't speak directly, if God doesn't tell me exactly, well, then what do I do? It's a great question. I thought about actually ending the the message here, by the way, and just grabbing my iPad and walking out the doors and going up to my office to get on my computer to where I could see the cameras just to see what you guys would do. Thought about it. What happened at church today? I don't know. Pastor just walked off the stage, proposed a question, and left. Although, wouldn't it just be funny if I did that And you actually had to wrestle with what the Holy Spirit wanted in your life. Because you know what we do sometimes is we expect God to speak to somebody else to tell you what you need to do. That is not the type of personal God that God wants to be. He wants to be God in your life. I get you if I'm lucky, if I'm lucky, for a few hours a month. God has a lot more time with you than I do. So let me just kind of fuel your appetite a little bit. But then you wrestle with God. I want to show you a fascinating scripture. The Apostle Paul. How many of you would agree he's pretty fascinating? We're getting into the New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was once Saul, God got his attention. He became Paul. Then people didn't like him anymore, even though he didn't like people before. Paul's a fascinating guy. Paul had some things to say. And if anybody was going to understand what God was saying specifically, we would think, oh, well, it's got to be Paul. That guy was very, very, very close with God. But it's amazing to me in this passage of Scripture how detailed Paul's understanding of what was coming up showed that it was not detailed by any way. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 5. It says, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia... For I am passing through Macedonia. It's like, Paul, we heard you the first time you're passing through. He wanted them to know. Now watch here. Watch the verbiage. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope. You ever, have, you ever had someone say to you, I hope to see you this weekend? or I hope to see you tomorrow, or I hope to see you at this. As the listener, what you're hearing is, is that's a 50-50 chance. That's maybe going to happen. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, look, I hope to stay a while, if the Lord permits, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened in me, and there are many adversaries. And if, there's another word, if, Timothy comes See that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I do also. Let me just take that passage of Scripture and break it up into one part, okay? Even Paul didn't have a clue of what was coming up next or what to do. Guys, I I try to be a very personal pastor. I hope, like, that's my goal, okay? It's okay if you don't know what's coming next, Just breathe. God, I don't know what my life is going to be a year from now. Okay, can I ask you a question though? Then stop thinking about a year from now. What if you just thought about right now? One of my dearest friends, watching online right now. At least he tells me he watches. Can't confirm I'm right here. Can't see. But he, he said something to me one time. Because he knows me. We were working out by the way, I haven't talked about CrossFit in a long time, and none of you all have said a word. Thank you. Now I'm going to talk about it, though. We're in the gym. Just got done doing a crazy burner. Danielle knows what I'm talking about. Horrible. Laying on the ground. And we were talking before the workout. And I had some decisions to make, and I was antsy about them. Yeah, I didn't know what to do. And he said this to me. I keep it on my phone. It's the first thing I see. He said, Rich... He says, You just need to be where your feet are. I thought, wow, that's simple. He said, Rich, look. He goes, If you're at home, be at home. He says, If you're at work, be at work. If you're with friends, be with friends. If you're in your prayer closet, be in your prayer closet. He says, Rich, just be where you are, God will speak. And I don't think he realized how profound that was in that moment. I thought maybe it's because I was exhausted laying on the ground and anything sounded better than, geez, do another rep, right? But he was so right. Because I get caught up in what's what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. And you never stop and get in the moment. Listen to me. Be where your feet are. You don't have to know everything. God knows, but you don't have to. God doesn't always show us, The details in our future. But he knows, amen? Proverbs 16, 9. We know this. For a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Question. How do we grow or how do we go into God's will? Answer. We do it step by step. Step. Let me make sense of Proverbs sixteen nine because we get this we get this wrong. People will teach, don't make plans. God's got it figured out. Word of God says, a man's heart plants his way, but the Lord directs his steps. God, God's saying, what's in your heart? What do you love? Right. So if you were to fill in the blank, God, I want fill in the blank. What would it be? Think about it for just a moment. What's in your heart, God? I want to, and then fill it in. Here's the great part about God. He wants you doing something you like. He wired you to like it that way. So what you say is, is God, I'll I'll have some fun with my retired friends here, okay? God, I want to retire in Los Osos. God, I, I want to have a home. I want to have a boat when I retire. I want to go fishing whenever I want. I want to invite friends, and eventually Pastor Rich, although I heard he gets really, really motion sickness, and that would actually be a little fun to watch. I want to do this. I'm having some fun with my friends here, okay? So you say, God, I want to retire. I want to live in those osos. I want to have a boat. I want to attend a church. I want to be a part. I want to serve. I want to do all this stuff. God looks down and says, ah, that's not a bad thing. Why would God be against that, Right? So then what does God do? God starts to direct you in steps. Now, now go with me here, okay? When Vanessa and I knew that our years of youth pastoring were done, we knew what we wanted to do. In our heart, we wanted to pastor a church. And there's a lot of details to this, so I'll just go highlights here, Okay? We wanted to pastor a church of about 300 people. I know this doesn't make sense right now, but it will because God's given us the steps to do it. There's a number on that wall in the back of how many people can fit in this room. Right at about 300. I know it sounds silly to you, but not to me. It's what we've always wanted. Now, we said this years ago. And through a series of time and through a series of events, God got us to San Luis Obispo, California. Thank you, Lord. Guys, it was either that, no offense, or Bakersfield. Just joking. You know I have to do that. But no, it really was. Here's how crazy this was. As God was leading us and guiding us, our pastor, Wendell, He said, Rich, whatever's in your heart to do. He says, if you want to pastor this church, we feel the Lord is leading you guys to be the pastors of this church. But also, if you want to be with us in Bakersfield, you can do that as well. But we knew what God called us to. (laughs) I think we chose the better one. Hi, pastor. (laughs) Listen, we knew what was in our hearts and what did God do. God directed the steps. Let me give you just one illustration. We took three months off after youth pastoring in Visalia. God said, take three months off, don't make a phone call. After three months, Vanessa and I decided we're going to go to Shaver Lake. A friend of ours had given us their cabin for a week. And we knew at that point it was time to pray in the fast about what God wanted us to do. Ready for this? Just say yes. So I can see, Cool, cool. You guys are in. Yeah, okay. We pulled up to Shaver Lake. I put the car in the park. Text message comes through just like that. From two numbers that I don't, I don't know who they were. They weren't in my contacts. That's how it works nowadays, by the way. We don't memorize phone numbers anymore. You put them in your phone. If it's not in your phone, you don't know who they are. That's how it works. So if you call my number and you got it somehow and I don't see it, that's why I didn't answer. I'll call back though leave a message. Long story short, it was two people, Pastor Wendell and one other gentleman, that started the conversation for God and his steps to get us to where we are today. Now that's just our story. It was in our heart to do so, and then God says, hey, what's in your heart to do? Now here's my part, I'll give you the steps. That's how God works. It's really that good. And here's the great part, it's really that simple. Don't you wish it just seemed more simpler though? Like God, what do you want me to do? Boom, audible voice from heaven comes down. Doeth this my son or my daughtereth, right? That's what we want. But God still speaks. He's done it. So, so as Nate comes, right? So, so God still speaks. But he doesn't always speak the way that we think he should speak. We don't hear the audible voice. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit who's with us and in us. Of course God could speak audibly if he wanted to. But we also have his word. When people say God's not speaking, my first question is, when's the last time you read your Bible? Not in a mean way. But it's a serious question. I don't hear God speaking. When's the last time you were reading your Bible? Well, I haven't been. The Bible is God's word. It's His voice. It's His breath. God will sound like what you read. I know it seems elementary, right? But it's the truth. So that's what we read. So. We see this whole idea, and this is a very long setup, right? You guys are like, man, that was a really long introduction, Pastor. I told you it was going to be. But it gets us to this key point, right? Because we've, we've all got decisions to make. So how do we discern, and how do we decide what we're supposed to do? So glad you asked. Second Chronicles chapter 1. Watch here. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, notice these words, you have shown great mercy to David my father and you have made me king in his place. Now O Lord God that your promise to David my father be established for you have made me king over people like the dust of the earth in multitude. A lot of people. Here's what he says. Now give me wisdom and give me knowledge. Doesn't that sound like what David wanted for Solomon in our opening scripture? Now he's asking for it. Give me wisdom, give me knowledge, that I may come out and go before your people, for who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said, Solomon, because this was in your heart, you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people. I love that, by the way. God, don't just give me wisdom so I can be smart and get a bunch of things. He said, give me wisdom so I can help people. It's always about people, guys. Your life is not about you. Your life is about others. Solomon understood that. So, wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, now watch here, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings who have, who, have, who have had before you were, nor shall any after you have the like. In other words, no person on the face of the planet from the time of Solomon had as much as Solomon had and no one ever will. You can have your billions and you can fly yourself to the moon with your buddies and come back home in a day. You still ain't got as much as Solomon. This is the greatest. So what's the wisest thing that you can do? And I'll give you three points and then we'll close. The wisest thing that you and I can do is we can get wisdom and good judgment. Wisdom to discern and to decide. Listen, God will not always show you what to do, but he will give you wisdom to make a decision. That's how good God is. All right, number one, write this down. Three simple thoughts. If you want wisdom to decide, you need to walk with the wise. Walk with the wise. Simple points, powerful truths. Proverbs thirteen twenty. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. I was talking to a young man in our church. He came here a few weeks ago, rededicated his life back to the Lord. He said, Pastor, he goes, I'm rededicating my life because I prayed the sinner's prayer and I got baptized. But man, I I just, I haven't been coming to church. I haven't been in my word. I haven't been doing this. And man, what you said today, I needed to hear it. And I needed it. And I said, man, tell me what's going on. He says, well, I know I need to serve God. I know I need to read my Bible. I know I need to go to church. But I'm not doing any of that and I'm spending time with so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. And I was like, oh, I get it now. I said, I know what your problem is. It's very simple. You're hanging out with the wrong crew. You are not hanging out with people that want to see you succeed in Jesus. Now watch here. Be careful here. Because many would hear this and they would say, well then therefore I should not hang out with people who are far from God. Didn't say that. It's one thing to be an influence to those who don't serve God. It's another thing for them to influence you and to pull you away from the godly things that you need to do. That was his problem. So I stopped him in mid-sentence. I said, man, I said, listen, I know what your problem is. I said, you're not walking with the right people. And he just looked at me like. No, you're right. Now I would love to say he's here today. He's not. He didn't come. He hasn't come since he rededicated his life back to the Lord. He hasn't returned a text message. Right? Which bums me out. I still go after him though. But his problem was, he wasn't hanging with the right people. He wasn't walking with the wise. You've heard me say this, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That's it. You, you can't escape this. You want' to know why you can't escape it because it's not an opinion. It's God's word. First Corinthians 15:33: "Bad company corrupts good character, morals. Bad company will corrupt your life." So, what do you need to do? Easy get the right people in your life. And I'm not talking about take a wise person out and say, hey, can you give me the five bullet points to being the wisest person that ever lived, and can you give me the points? I'm not saying that. Notice how it says. I said, walk with the wise. If I'm walking with them, I am with them. I'm living life with them. I'm going out to lunch with them. I'm going to the movies with them. I'm reading the Bible with them. They're praying for me when I need to be prayed for. I'm not just casually finding a person who's smart, getting out a notepad and saying, how do I do A, B, C, and D? Not saying that. I'm saying in your life, find wise people who love God, who know how to pray the house down. You guys ever been around a person who knows how to do that? Find someone. I remember when I, when I got saved, I'm sorry, you're going to be up here a while. I remember when I got saved, I said, Lord, there's three big things that matter to me. I want to be spiritually strong. Oh God, I want to be spiritually strong. God I want to be a good dad. First a good husband, then a good dad. God I want to be great at that. And this may sound weird to some of you, but then I said, God, I, I want to be financially stable. I don't know why, because I didn't know what that looked like. I knew poor. I'm not saying this is wrong. I knew the welfare system. I knew nothing in the cupboards. And three grown boys. And an alcoholic mom. And at the time, an absent dad. I knew poverty. And so when I got saved, I said, God, strong spiritually. God, I want to be a great husband and a great dad. And they said, God, I want to be financially stable. So I can be a blessing to other people. Not so I can get stuff. God's not to get your stuff. He's against stuff having you. Don't get it twisted. But I said, God, I, I want that. So you know what I had to do? I had to walk with the wise. I wanted to be strong spiritually. So I had to do spiritual things. I had to learn how to read my Bible. How to pray. Guys, I'm talking simple stuff. We miss the simple stuff. Go back to simple. I love it with some of you in the church, man. We do devotions every day on the YouVersion Bible app. I love it. We're growing. I got around mentors that said, how do I pray? How do I read? How do I memorize scripture? All of it. I wanted to be a good husband and a good dad so I invaded my pastor's house whether he wanted me to or not. I just showed up. <laughs> I did. I just showed up, knocked on his door, walked right in. He, he opened the door. Went to his fridge too. It was great. But I watched how he was a husband to his wife. I watch how he fathered his kids and to this day I still do what I saw him do I was in the back of the booth helping MJ he's running our computer and that same man whose house I invaded he, he texted me this morning he says love you he said love you preacher man he says go preach I wanted to be like my youth pastor now the financially stable part I really Vanessa's watching in the nursery I messed that up I thought I knew what I was doing I found out very quickly I did not know what I was doing but my wife did And she corrected me because I let her, by the way. Oh, by the way, did you know that mentors in your life sometimes tell you things you don't want to hear? Oh, we don't like that, do we? Yeah, you guys know my life goal. Find somebody in life who's not, who's not like, you know, um, impressed with you and let them speak into your life. Oh, we don't like that one. Find somebody in your life who doesn't care about your accolades and let them speak into you even if it hurts oh that's so good that's worth the price of admission right there so i remember i wanted to be financially stable and in those three things i feel like today at the age of 39 god's been faithful but how did it happen walked with the wise number two you got to ask god for wisdom by the way make this point number one <laughs> ask god for wisdom There is a promise and a prayer from God's Word. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given unto him. Ask God for wisdom. Now, I want to show you this. And again, I told you I might get a little emotional today. But I'm telling you, This to me is the picture of God. Psalm 32.8, I want you to look on the screen. I want you to notice these words. I will instruct you. And I will teach you in the way that you should go. Sounds like steps to me, by the way. Sounds like God tells me. He'll tell me where I need to go in the right direction. And I will guide you with my eye. When MJ was young, many of you who are parents, one of the greatest memories you'll ever have as a parent, maybe you'll agree, is when you teach your kid how to ride a bike. You guys remember that? Come on, how many guys failed and your kid failed, right? Come on. Can you remember the excitement when they realized they were riding a bike? Can you remember how shaky their hands were, you know, when they were going? If you were like me, I was teaching MJ how to ride a bike. He didn't get to keep the training wheels on. I said, you can ride your bike anytime you want with your training wheels on. I said, but when it's time for you to ride your bike without them, we're not going to practice with them Mom. We're taking them off. This is how I see God teaching MJ how to, how to ride the bike and I can remember like, all right bud, you ready to ride? And I think he said yes, but it didn't seem too confident. Yeah? All right. Are you scared? My favorite part. He said no. And I said, why are you not scared? Daddy, because I know you'll catch me. Scared? God, what decision do I make? Are you scared? Don't be scared. So I remember I grabbed MJ. And I held on to his back, and I held the seat right from behind, right? All right. I said, okay, buddy, you pedal. I'm going to hold you up. And when you're ready, you just tell me, Daddy, I'm ready. And I said, I'm going to let you go. So I remember we started going. You know, like you're in this position here, right, because the bike's way down here, and you're just kind of stramping along. And I remember I let him go. over the place by the way but he rode that bike now i couldn't record the first time he he rode the bike because that would be a little irresponsible (laughs) trying to hold the bike while i'm holding the phone right but i got the very very next shot once you show that real quick that boy Great job, M.J. <laughs> That's my little buddy right there. You scared? No, nah, Daddy. You'll catch me. God, I don't know what decision to make. God, I need your wisdom. What does God do? He gives you wisdom. So you're going to walk with the wise. You ready? You're going to walk with the wise. You're going to ask God for wisdom. God, what's the next step? God, what do I do? And then lastly, you're going to make a decision and live it out. Point number three, make a decision. Live it out. Have you ever seen Karate Kid before? If you haven't, great movie. But Mr. Miyagi, he makes this statement to Daniel's son. And no, I'm not going to try to do it with the accent because I'll mess it up. But he says, Daniel's son, must talk. I love it. Walk on road. Walk on right side, safe. Walk on left side, safe. Walk down middle, get squished like a bug. You ever see that movie? It's great. Go watch it later. Especially that part. You know what he was saying right there? He says, listen, walk on the right side, safe. Walk on the left side, safe. Walk down the middle, squished. What he was really saying in that moment, especially if you watch it, he was saying, make a decision and then live it out. Walk down the left, walk down the right, walk down the middle, might hurt, might fail. But guess what happens when you fail? You ready? Sorry, I don't know why I'm getting animated 43 minutes in, but now I'm really fired up. You want to know what happens when you fail? You get wiser. You learn something. That's why point number three is make a decision. Walk it out. Live it out. Just move forward. Stop sitting back in your moment of indecisiveness when God is just saying, take a step. I got you. Make a decision. And I'm telling you, when you do, man I'm telling you, you'll experience God if you succeed and even if you fail. Would you stand with me today as we close? You guys have been wonderful. You've been great. Nate, you are a rock star, superstar and all the above. you got to make a decision and live it out. Many of you will remember, not too long ago, Junior's out in the lobby making sure our church is safe. Hi, Junior. We keep him out in the lobby. We've got kids running around. So for all the parents, your kids are secure. Junior knows what he's doing. He will tell you if there was anybody in this room right now that was so afraid to make a decision, it was this guy right here. 1,200 boxes, $13,000 needed, plenty of volunteers, what in the world are we going to do? Oh my gosh, I lost sleep. Oh my gosh, I worried. Dave, Dave remember this part too. I didn't know what to do. They come to us and they say, look, here's the deal. The pandemic's going on. People are, are having food insecurities. We could drop off these boxes of food for you every single week. 20 pound boxes, fruits and vegetables and all the stuff and it changed over time and all you have to do is get rid of them. Sounded really simple, really turnkey. Not for this guy, didn't it? Sounded like what happens if we don't get rid of every single box? We don't have any cold storage. Oh, I tossed and turned. I lost sleep. The whole nine yards. Until one day, through a conversation, it's as if God said, hey, look. Ask me for wisdom. Oh, God, what should I do? And all of a sudden, God puts a person on my heart. A wise person. So God says, go walk with the wise. So I have some conversations. And then I can remember upstairs in my office, final phone call, are you in or are you out? Keep in mind, we did not have the forklift or the pallet jack. You had to have them in order to do this. I asked God for wisdom. I walked with the wise. And then I just made a decision. And I said, yes. Like, literally just like that. Make a long story short, a little over a half a million pounds in 12 weeks. I just made a decision and walked out. Now, what would have happened? What would have happened if it didn't work? What would have happened if, if we didn't raise the money to get the forklift and the pallet jack? What would have happened if the first week we had all these boxes lined up in our parking lot and two people showed up? I would have done the same thing. God, I need wisdom. God, who's ever been in this situation before? That could help me. Okay, cool. I'll make a decision. Success or failed, I would have learned something. This is is what I'm saying to you. I've taken a long, I've taken a really long way of saying, I get that. Just hear me. Just hear me. Sometimes you don't always have the direction or the, the, the destination of where you have to be with the decision. Again, marriage, college, house, job, all that stuff. But you do have the ability to ask God for wisdom, to walk with the wise, so that you can make a decision and walk it out. That's in your control. So with every head bowed and every eye closed,